Welcome to Roster Wars Dynasty Owners Club. What you have discovered is the single most active fantasy football league anywhere, and we just might be looking for you. So, are you going to take the red pill or the blue pill? And you see Morpheus holding out each of the pills. Roster Wars is a place where, for serious fantasy owners, Roster Wars is not interested in hand-holding any lazy and or inactive owners who bring nothing to the table for the group. It does not have a shameless commissioner. It does not have a rulebook with more holes than a screen door. In Roster Wars, you earn everything. A team only earns their colors by being approved to own a franchise in our main league. Once an owner, you have to earn your patches and accolades. And be advised, you can also earn a little something called shame. In Roster Wars, you are responsible for your fate. Others will not suffer because you fail to deliver around here. Oh no, there are monetary fines for those that come up short. So, you've read this far and you're thinking, maybe this isn't for me with fear in your precious little heart. Well, fear not. Roster Wars is a community as much as it is a serious dynasty league. And as long as you want to be here and participate, we want you here with us. Only owners and prospects are held to the strict requirements. We enjoy having friends of the league here with us, as well as former owners, so feel free to join us at any time. Now, if you've made it this far and you're like the rest of us and you're thinking, oh, hell yeah, then there, here's what to do. And let me warn you, it's, through, it's a process. It is not fast. There are no shortcuts. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Your records and titles elsewhere mean absolutely nothing to us. After all, the best you beat, the best people you beat couldn't even get into this league. And then it ends with the Fight Club video of Get Off My Porch. So, welcome back to Fantasy Insanity. What I just read there is a, a summarized a version of the welcome into the league here that we are here to talk about today. Um, if you got through listening to that, that is only a short snippet of what you're going to be reading to enter this league. It is impressive. It is intended to be intense because that is exactly what this league is. So uh, uh, tonight we have the creator of it, Andy Mateer. Thank you for joining us, Andy. Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me, John. So when you wrote that uh, introduction, what was your feeling going into writing that and your intention of it? Um. I just wanted to make it crystal clear what we wanted and what we didn't want and, and just not I don't like to waste my time and I don't like to waste the time of others. So hopefully that was, you know, straightforward enough so that everybody just uh pick a side, in or out, you know, and you know, if you want to hang out and just be a friend, that's cool too. And I hopefully uh address that in there, but otherwise in or out. Yeah, the impression I got from reading that, I, I literally my jaw just dropped and I I was like, wow. Uh, this is exactly the type of league that I need to talk about on this Fantasy Insanity podcast. It, it is straight up right there in front of you. Look, don't even try and join this league if you are not going to be extremely dedicated. We'll call it dedicated instead of insane. So we'll go with dedicated. It's, it's dedication, not insanity, I guess. But uh, before we dig into the, into the league, a little background. Uh, when did you start playing fantasy football? Uh, my wife and I disagree on that. It's I always said 05 and she said 04. I'm not quite sure at this point which one it was, but we'll go with her. She, she's probably right. Uh, that's just the safer way to always go. When you started out, did you start out in redraft or in dynasty? I uh, started with redraft. Um, 
guy at work had a league and me and another guy had never played before. So we figured that two dum-dums would team up and not be as stupid together. And we weren't, weren't afraid. So we, uh, we took it on together and I turned into what I turned into today with it. And he never played again. So 50, <laughs> 50. So during that first season, uh, you know, you obviously were joining somebody else's league. How did it go not being the commissioner of that league in the first season? Well, I was good. I mean, obviously, I've never played before. You don't want to – you don't know what to do. So being just an owner is great. Um, no, I didn't have any problems, and it was fun, and I just – I picked up speed. I got really into it, and uh, by the end of the season, kind of like I said before, I was – super into it and my partner just didn't have a taste for the fantasy aspects so he never played again so so then year two you went back to that league on your own is that correct i did uh but i ended up running my first league ever too because i was already so impatient that i don't i don't know what month it was but you know march april and i was like what's going on with the new one what's you know what's up with the next season and they just weren't moving yet so i uh I was like, well, I'm not waiting on you, Jokers. I'm going to start my own league. So I did that. And then eventually they came around like people do in probably July or something. And I joined that. I I went back into that league as well. So I played two that next year. Both redraft then? Correct. Okay. So when did you make the jump then from redraft to thinking, you know what? I really do want to do this year round. I, I want to be interested in football nonstop. When did you jump to the Dynasty format? Um, I think I jumped to Dynasty in 2008 or so. Uh, I did. Uh, I tried a keeper league probably in 06 for the first time, and I, I, um, I fell for it a little too hard. You know what I mean? I thought like, oh my God, you're keeping these guys. You better get somebody who's like, you know, a newborn. You know, like you don't want them to grow old on your team. So I grabbed um, Jonathan Stewart, and the guy behind me took Maurice Jones Drew and laughed at me. And I quickly realized my mistake. And ever since then, I'm like, okay, I tell people all the time, like keeper leagues are really not much different than a redraft. Just make a team. And then at the end, when you get to keep players, you'll just decide who is worth that and who's not. And that's fine. But uh, then I went to Dynasty probably in 2008. And it's never looked back. It's been, it's easily the best way to play in my opinion. So. So you started the dynasty format and obviously became addicted. Uh, what point did you realize, you know what, this dynasty league is fun, but there is a world that I can create that will be even more intense for dynasty football. Um, I don't know. Like I played 08 09. I know we'll probably get into it down the road here a little bit, but I, in 09, I started IDP and, uh, got dragged into that and fell in love with it. And then I I did a lot of work with that league and thought it was pretty much the best thing out there. And over time, you know, you find things you dislike, things that you like, and that league kind of just melted away in a way, you know. So somewhere in there I was like, well, I could do this better and I could do that better. And at some point I kind of decided I was going to try. So – I think in 2011 is when I decided to put together my own thing and went from there. So in 2011, you decided to, to go beyond it and take that passion to the, to the next level uh, and create roster wars. If, if somebody were to ask you just, you know, simple description of it, 
is that even possible to give? Can you give a simple description of roster wars? Hmm, simple is probably tough, but it's no uh, leave nothing on the table. You know, leave nothing. Uh, put it all out there. Whatever you come up with, whatever you think will work, go for it. And, and just why stop? You know, like I don't. The term too much to me doesn't really apply. I mean, if we think it'll work, let's do it. And why why uh, hold back at all? And a lot of people, I, I know a lot of people that play in quite a few leagues, and at some point I kind of got to this thing, like why not just pour all that energy into one league or two leagues? Why play in 20 everyday normal person leagues? I just It's not for me. And so once I started down that path, it, it got con- confirmed for me that it was the way, way to go. I don't know. I don't miss the old way. I love that you described people that play in 20 leagues as the everyday normal. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and and you're uh, clearly then stating that I'm guessing you're you're not the everyday normal, which which I think people will become apparent as we start talking more about the league. So uh, we'll get into the league a little bit. You know, when you were starting to form it, did you come up with the bylaws on your own? Did you come up with owners first, and then everybody worked together on the laws? How, how did your process work jo- coming up with the league? Um. Definitely did not start with owners. You, you know, if you bring in 24 different people and then try to put together bylaws, good luck to you because you're going to have 24 different opinions. And I don't think anybody could survive that. But um, at the same time, I can't take credit for everything. I mean, we all play in leagues. We've had experiences. We pick up this. We pick up that. What do you like? What do you dislike? So in 2011, I was by myself and I started uh, a message board. Um where I started piecing together some of the things that I liked and disliked. Um, and at some point I had two other guys that were close friends that joined me and we worked on it together. We started piecing things together. We'd argue over a few things, trying to figure out just the way to go with it. And um, uh, past experience from other leagues, things I'd heard, things I'd seen. I did a lot of searching back in the day. I'd see what other leagues had, what they, what they look like, what they do, you know, anything I could, find and uh between me and those two other guys uh we just sorted it all out and scoring took forever and um by jan we opened the doors january 1 of 2012 is when we had it all ironed out we were willing to look for owners and we got after it so you spent months processing the league before you even opened the doors then yep absolutely that is impressive. Uh, so once you did open these doors, you know, what uh, What did people think, some of the initial owners that wanted to jump in or others that might have not reacted the same way? Um, the reaction was great from those folks. I mean, the, whoever found us, I mean, either didn't hear anything and they probably turned around and went somewhere else. And then, or there was people like, oh, this is sweet. You know, I want to be part of it. Um, surprisingly, one of the guys that helped me put together was one of the loudest voices saying it would never work it'll never happen you know like you're asking too much of people and this that and the other and i said that's fine you know because if these people don't exist then i'll just play in somebody else's league but i'm not going to run one if it's going to be for the everyday person or somebody who's not gonna you know be part of it or active we all talk about activity it seems like these days but people's um thresholds for what that means are wildly different from what i find yes that, that is that is very true so once you've opened these doors and people do start, you know, reading the, reading the message board, reading some of the bylaws, hopefully all of them, uh, 
how long did it take you to fill up all the owner slots? Surprisingly, even to me, we were pretty well full two months in, I mean, or three months in. It was somewhere in March, and then there was a little shuffling. And I think by May, we've officially had our set 24 teams for that, that season. Um, and then since then, we have people trickled in here and there. We have a waiting list and prospects and friends of the league. And it just kind of picked up steam from there. And yeah, it's been good. So the basic setup of the, the of the league is, you know, you, like you said, you've got 24 teams, right? And you've got those in two conferences. Yep, yep. Two, two conferences of 12. So I always tell people it's like two normal 12, 12 team leagues. And then in the end, in the playoffs, then we mix it up. And they uh, actually, it's only in week 16 that they they come to war and we actually see people from the other side. So, And so it is a dynasty league. You do have IDP players. How do you start a draft or auction? Uh, we started with an auction. Um, there's actually a section of our bylaws that no longer is uh, in the bylaws to be seen because once we did the initial auction, it was no longer necessary to have it. So it got hidden away and we pretty much had an auction with, I want to say a thousand dollars, you know, make believe money. And we uh, used it up and, and once it was done, it was done. And then we were off and it's been full blown war since. <laughs> so, you know, after you go through the auction, everybody's got the players that they want. Uh, are there limits on the number of roster spots and how do you break up how long somebody's going to be on your team? Um, there is not a roster limit, which I find it's one of my favorite things about this league. Um, from my early days playing, the most frustrating thing in the world was to have 15 roster spots and just see all these players on waivers that I was like, man, I like that guy. I like that guy. He could do this. He could do that. And you're like, where am I going to, who am I going to dump for that guy? It sucks. I always hate that. I've still never found a roster size that can satisfy me. If I have a hundred, I swear I'll find more that I want. Um, so from some leagues that I had played in, but in the past or whatever, and I found this system where you give a team a, a contract cap. So in our case, it's 120 years. And that's what governs your players. So you have 120 years to dole out to your team however you see fit. So one team in my league might have 83 players and another team might have 61. And do it how you want to do it. And the, the years keep everybody. It's fair. You know, we do have one team that's pretty consistently, like, he has a ton of players. And he has smaller contracts. He has a million guys on a one-year deal. And you know, he likes to play it that way. And I have other people that go the opposite and they'll have a contract of nine years on somebody. And there you go. And I like that, that difference, you know, it's strategy, do what you got to do. So. Yeah. That, the strategy is what makes fantasy football fun. So uh, with the 24 teams in the two different conferences, do the rosters, is it all one big roster pool or are they separate roster pools? They're separate. It's, it's like two leagues. Um, I've seen leagues. I've never actually played in the leagues where there's, you know, 32 or 24 teams all in one player pool. I've never done that. It's intriguing to me on one hand. On the other hand, you know, it might feel thin. Or I, That's how I just perceive it. It seems like it might be thin. But a guy like me, like you said, who never stops seeing more talent on the waivers, maybe I would actually like it and, you know, playing that way. But um, in the end, 
I got really used to the twelve team format, so doing it this way has just always felt pretty good. So conceivably, in the championship game, you could be playing a player on your team and also against that player. Then, correct. And so, if I have Adrian Peterson and you have Adrian Peterson, well, Adrian Peterson just got canceled out. So, um, in our experience over the last five years or whatever, four years, um, there's been very little of that actually. And, and honestly, it's usually been some you know, third tier kind of a player. It's not been a stud that has met up against himself. So um, it's almost had little effect, if any. So Now, do do uh, obviously you won't be able to switch from one conference to the other. Do teams switch any divisions or is it set in stone? Uh, we do it with set in stone. We don't shift it up. We try to build. I'm a firm believer that you build rivalry, rivalries by facing people repeatedly and, you know, Sad to say, my my division's been owned by a guy, and it's not named me. <laughs> and so, one of these days, we're the other three of us. One of us is going to win, and that's going to feel like Christmas times a thousand. You know what I mean? Because we're finally going to take him down. And um, I did that in another league too, where my my uh, division rivalry meant more to me than anything. Honestly, I mean, championship was great, but. You need a little luck to win those final weeks of the season and win a championship, but be, winning your division, that takes 12, 13, 14 weeks, depending on the league, to accomplish. So to me, it means more to accomplish that than anything, really. So how do you set up your regular season schedule in, in this league? Obviously, there's no way, with, with the amount of playoff weeks that you have to designate, there's no equally – fair way, I guess is the best way to say it, uh, for scheduling. How do you end up scheduling your teams? Um, this is not a flawless technique, but because uh, we use myfantasyleague.com and they have a schedule creation thing on there, but if you've spent any time with it, it will repeat every year. Um, I found this in one league and it frustrated me quite a bit because every year I played uh, the first three weeks against the same three divisional opponents in the same order every year. And it just kind of felt stupid to me. Um, now what I came up with by no means is, you know, flawless or anything like that because there's just too many combinations to come up with. But what I did was I, uh, we, we play our division mates twice a season. So that's three teams times two is six. That's six of our games. And then we want to make, we want to play the other teams in our conference and there are uh, eight of those teams, so the eight plus the six is 14. But we don't have 14 regular season weeks to play with. So then what I had to do was um, back out two of them because we have a 12-week regular season in my league. So what I did was I pretty much printed off a uh, printout with all 14 weeks. I cut them up into separate little pieces of paper. And then I have this ordered drawing that I do to ensure that we obviously get all the division games in. And in the end, it leaves out two matches against conference opponents and those people you don't face that year. And so each year there's a date that I do this on and we release our schedule uh, that day and people are eager to find out who am I not playing and you know when am I playing my division opponents. And we've structured that too so that it's, more random when you play them, and yet we've geared it so that you play division opponents the first three weeks when you're not dealing with bye weeks, and we tried to do the same on the back end 
so that you end the season playing divisional opponents because that's usually and it creates that uh, exciting race at the end of the season because it's usually close, you know. So you don't want to be playing some clown from two divisions over, you know. What I mean, that's not as cool as you, you know, facing it off. So yeah, I, I, I that that is very detailed in. I appreciate the schedule. And that's that's one reason I wanted to ask. Uh, it is definitely different than what you would just put into a computer and get. the The amount of detail that you went into of, you know, coming up with the idea on how to do the scheduling, that is that is impressive. You know, when you're caring that much about it, that is what makes the league strong. So, you know, it's great to play your division rivals, especially twice a year. But when you're playing them becomes a pretty key factor in fantasy football because of the buy situation. So you taking that into account just shows the amount of dedication you had in forming the league. Um, so, uh, you know, a few more little tidbits on it. You do play tight end premium as well, correct? I do. It's okay. it's weird for me to even say that because I just don't – I really don't pay a lot of attention to what other leagues do on scoring. So the, the terms, you know, PPR and tight end premium – I, I get what they mean to an extent, but I don't study that stuff the way other people do, and I really don't uh, gear roster wars to fit any of those categories so much. So, well, that so do you, I assume then you obviously like it because you put it in there. Have you played in leagues without it and noticed the difference? Yeah, um, to me, it's kind of like I was saying before. Like, uh, there's no such thing as too much. So, you know, if you take PPR out. Um, I'm just like, okay, it's, you know, you go all the way back to when it used to be full point scoring. So you'd have a guy get 79 yards and that was seven points. And I was always like, that's stupid. If he would have got one more yard, it was a whole nother point. So then, you know, I think most people at this point have migrated over to decimal scoring for obvious good reasons. Um, similar thing is just, you know, PPR. I mean, I haven't gone all the way down the rabbit hole. It's not like we have stuff for first downs and all this other stuff, and I know some leagues do that. It intrigues me, but at the end of the day, it was like reward versus effort, you know what I mean? And just in that, I felt like we had a good spot. So we really – ironically, for all the number of people I've had to deal with in this league, you know, we have 24 owners, but we've had, you know, some come and some go. So I've dealt with 30-plus people for sure. The scoring has never been argued about. Nobody has ever complained about the scoring. It's never been brought up to be changed. And I guess I'm proud of that, if anything, just because of the amount of work that went into it. And for nobody to have a gripe about it, it's pretty cool. That is something to be proud of. Your IDP scoring scale, I don't play IDP, at least not mm -hmm. yet. So maybe I'm just not knowledgeable on it. But looking at the scale that you had on IDP, it appeared as though – a defensive player could really put up a good number of points. Absolutely. Um, the biggest thing, I mean, I don't have as much IDP experience as probably most of my owners, but uh, if you've ever played in one where the, the IDP side um, scores significantly less than the offensive side, it is the most frustrating thing in the world. And I always tell people it's like playing in a league where you get eight kickers and it just sucks because you're like, Oh, good. You know, like my, my super stud on IDP scored, but, you know, he scored one-third of what my wide receiver six did. I mean, you just get like, okay, this is a waste of my time. So I didn't want that. And I think our scoring as a whole, it's very like – it's separate per position. Like there's no – even PPR is not the same across running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. 
it's different per position because in the end, our main objective was to give every position, except kicker, the ability to be the top scorer at the end of the year. You know what I mean? So when you look at the regular season, if every single season it's a quarterback, I see a fault to that. I think that's the wrong way to proceed. So we wanted to give every position a legitimate chance to be the, the MVP of our league, so to speak. And we did the best we could. I mean, there's certain positions um, like defensive tackle where good luck. I mean, there's nothing stopping those guys, but they're inconsistent. Some of them, I mean, there's just a huge range in the way they get used. And I mean, I'm sure, you know, a guy named JJ Watt, you know, and JJ Watt, you know, same thing for defensive end. He, he can very well be the top scorer in our league, but the, the sixth best tight end or defensive end, he might be way down the list, and that's just – it's hard. So you go like, well, it's clearly possible because J.J. Watt has proven it's possible, and we don't really worry about what they do or don't do. That We've given them the tools, so to speak, you know what I mean, <laughs> to, to do what they got to do, and then you just see how it falls. But, you know, I don't know off the top of my head what it was because MFL is down right now too. But um, when we looked uh, – and this happened when we were creating the scoring, by the way. We went through painlessly over and over and over to see what the top 100 looked like. How many how many quarterbacks were in the top 100? How many wide receivers? How many safeties? How many this? How many that? And that's what we used to determine. And, and we, had to, we had to use probably six, seven years of data to figure it all out because there's one year where tight ends, like, ate it hard. There was a bunch of injuries, so they were just – you had to take that out of the mix. That's not – you know, you can't use that data. And so over time we figured it out. And like I said, you get the defensive tackle. Well, there's only three defensive tackles in the top hundred. Well, why is that? You know what I mean? You'd kind of look and go, that's their fault. You know what I mean? This guy got up to number 14. He did good. And the other guys are slouching. You know what I mean? So um, the players got to perform on the field. Absolutely. And, and, and in the end, I was, what I was going to say a minute ago was just that if you look at the past couple seasons, it's it's bore out because like we haven't had the same player at the top of the um, standings or whatever the MVP and it's been different positions and even if you just look at the top ten you're like all right this is a good balance that guy made it you know what I mean and so I like that excitement of it because if it's always going to be a quarterback to me it's dull and then when you draft like how do you not you know how is quarterback not the glaring number one thing to be dealing with so yeah you put a lot of work into your scoring system to create that. And just that, again, that level of passion, dedication, insanity is exactly what I'm here to talk about. Because when you when you put in that amount of work up front, you hadn't even started this league. You went ahead and did all this work just hoping that it would end up turning out to be the right thing to do. It appears that it has. So um, on with your league, you know, you do, you've got an entry fee and then you've also got another fee that people have to pay up front to, uh, you know, the insurance fee. Have you ever had any issues with that? Or are people just like, yep, that is totally worth it. I'm happy to pay it. Um, that's a fun one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, one thing that other leagues do that I was adamantly against from day one, which is um, some leagues do with a, um, you have to pay for seasons if you're going to trade future round draft picks. Yeah, that's pretty common. Yeah, and I, and I totally get it. But what I really, really hate about it I can't urge enough people to knock it off in a way, but there's you got to find something else because there's nothing more frustrating than trying to work a trade with an owner and having him 
not want to do part of that deal because it's going to mean ponying up some cash for that future year. And then you just sit there and you're like, well, the money's not that big of a deal to me, let's say, because I'm playing in a league I can totally afford or whatever. But this guy's he's running tight. So then, you know, you can't work a deal because he's short on cash that month or whatever. Like that's just, I want everyone to be able to play on an even playing field. And so if you can't trade a draft pick, I want to know why. And if it's because of money, then I think there's got to be a better way. So um, that's what I aimed for. So I did an insurance fee. So what we did was everybody ponies up the same 50 bucks. And so collectively we have, you know, what we have, what would it be? $1,200. And that kind of covers the whole thing. And then we have various measures in place to, uh, protect ourselves from various things and, and also not let people just, you know, leave us hanging. And yeah. And it's evolved. I mean, it's, it was different before and then we've changed the parameters to it. And now I think it's pretty solid and we actually have a whole committee of people that kind of in charge of that and they, they monitor things. Yeah. So the, the next question I'm going to give uh, the audience a second to think about in leagues that you play in, how many ways are there to win money? In my league or in other yeah. leagues? No, in, in other leagues. I want people to think about that for just a quick second. And then we're going to get to how many ways there are to win money in your league. <laughs> so I know most leagues I've played in, you know, the champ gets paid, the runner-up gets paid, maybe the points title gets paid, maybe you have like a weekly high score. Um, do you even know how many different ways there are to win money in your league? That's funny. I was actually just trying to pull it up so I could tell you, but I, I don't oh, know. I counted, um, I counted okay. last night. <laughs> if I counted right, there are 75 ways to win money in your league. Wow. I wasn't even going to guess that high, but that sounds all right. <laughs> well, if you take each week where, you know, each week's oh, a different yeah. week, you, you calculate that, you know, you've got a chance to win money 75 different ways. So, yeah. Uh, was there something behind that thought process of, you know, we're not just going to award the top people. We're, we are going to figure out a way to make it so that everybody has continued to, you know, reason to keep playing. Sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like this, this will come up every time, but there's no such thing as too much to me, first of all. And second of all, um, I mean, we've all been there. We've played in leagues where you didn't win or it didn't happen, but you saw something your team did. Like, I was the best at this, or I was the best at that, or that happened to me, and blah, 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 blah. And you're just like, it sucks. Nobody acknowledges it. You know what I mean? So when I put this together, I was like, anything I can think of that should be acknowledged, we're going to acknowledge it. We're going to acknowledge it either with a payout or something else. But I, I really try to leave nothing, you know, that's no stone unturned. You know what I mean? Like, you got to – even we have a payout for um, worst schedule, which you have nothing to do with. But if you get the most points scored against you in the season, you're getting a payout for having the worst schedule. And so for me, that's a small something back. So for two reasons, one, that's crummy luck. You got the most points scored against you. And for the rest of us, we don't want to hear you whine. So you just got a payout. <laughs> so shut it, <laughs> you know? So there's a lot of that, you know? So, uh, just a couple of the other ones that as I was looking at them, and I'm not even in the progressive pot yet. Th these are just the standard not growing uh, payouts that, that you do on a regular basis. So weekly highest score and a loss along with the lines of, you know, the hardest schedule. 
I love that one because that person that says, oh, I would beat everybody but that person, you know, they get they get paid. They get a little bit of, you know, they get money e right. each week, each week, right? Somebody gets that? Yep. We got the, we pay out for the high score each week and we also pay for the highest score in a loss, which it's not much, but it's, you know, and then it becomes this thing like, you know, the guy who gets the second highest score in a loss, now he's complaining. And the first guy's like, yeah, I got, you know, but they got something. So they tend not to complain as much. So uh, there's always the, uh, you know, the March Madness. There's always the 69th team that wants to be in. So, <laughs> right. But, uh, uh, one other, one other one that I liked a lot was you don't just award your champion of the winner's bracket. If you mm -hmm. win the loser, you also win. Absolutely. Um, our loser, our, I'm trying to even see, but the loser or sorry, the winner of our consolation bracket wins the equivalent of one year's entry fee. So technically, again, to all the losers in my league, when they go to the bracket, shut up and win because right now you have a chance to walk away even. It's up to you. So do it. And those that those that make the winner's bracket, if they lose, they then and they end up going to the consolation bracket, right? No, or they actually they don't. Okay. Nope, they're, they're two separate worlds. And okay. um, so there is that debate sometimes. But, you know, I play to win. I assume everybody in my league plays to win. So I would much rather make the, the main bracket, even if it's a long shot, than to go as the favorite into the consolation bracket. But I guess if, you know, if somebody else feels differently and they want to root to get into the consolation bracket because it's all about dollars, then that's their business. <laughs> but it's not the owner I'm looking for, really. Yeah, I have a feeling the people playing in your league aren't aren't playing just to get next year's entry fee paid for. So that, that would not be the motivating factor. So those are the standard payouts. Then beyond that, you also have a progressive pot that grows. You want to go into that a little bit? Sure. Um, I've been a big gambler my whole life, and I've reeled it in. You know what I mean? But I've played – I do the casino, and I've played poker, and I've done a bunch of stuff, and – I don't know. I always like that thing where, like, you know, you place a bet and you could win multiple times your bet. You know what I mean? Like, blackjack's fine, but, you know, you win what you bet primarily, and it's just not that exciting to me. I love, you know, as stupid as they are, I love slot machines because, you, you know, you put a dollar in there, but you could win some ridiculous amount of money. Um, and so I kind of wanted that feature, too, and I like the surprise of, you know, this could happen or that could happen. So, the crux of my uh, progressive pot is that, and along with what we were talking about a minute ago, where we want to recognize things that occur, um, there's progressive payouts for records that fall. Um, so, like, most points scored in a week ever, um, that number got set. And now each year it goes by, that number becomes harder to beat because, you know, it's got more years behind it. If it's if it's 20 years that your league's been running, whatever that top score is, is pretty stout, you know. And so if somebody beats that, in your traditional league, they win and they go, oh, I had the best score ever. Well, that's good. Nobody cares. You know what I mean? Or that's how I feel. Like, you know, like nobody, everybody will care for five minutes and then they're moving on. In my league, there's a payout to that. And so what will happen is if we're watching football on Sunday or Monday, um, if somebody's scoring up near that, that that number, what I wanted to accomplish was to make everybody care. You know what I mean? Obviously, the guy who 
is doing it cares for multiple reasons. He wants to be that guy and he wants to kick somebody else's butt and all that stuff. But I want 23 other people to be screaming no at their television <laughs> because they don't want this guy to tap our pot, you know? And so we have that. And then we have a bunch of other stuff just like it. And everything's based on a, um, a percentage payout, not a dollar amount. And therefore the, the progressive pot can physically never go to zero. You're always taking a percentage of what's in it. And then it builds each year because we put a certain amount of money in. Um, yeah. And it's, it's accomplished that and it's starting to actually get good now because you know, the first couple of years it got hit a lot and we made a lot of jokes about how easy the progressive pot was, you know what I mean? And it was, it was doling out money left and right. And I kept telling them, I said, you know, each year we're going to, those, those records are going to get harder and harder. They're going to, you know what I mean? And, and we're starting to get to that. This actual, this past season, there were very few payouts and I was like, see, and it's just going to get worse. But the good news is they're getting harder so they're not as frequent, but when they do occur, the payout's going to be that much bigger, and it makes it all worthwhile. So if your team makes that big score, you're going to – who cares what the other guys think? You're going to feel the reward because you're getting that payday. You know what I mean? It's been building for six years, and you're getting it, and everybody else can shove it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I would I would love to be in the position to win a pot like that. I mean, just uh, the anticipation that going into that Monday night game – if you need 20 points out of a player, uh, that I can't imagine. I, I get, I get, I get obviously worked up when I just want to win a game. When you're going with, you know, probably I'm guessing hundreds of dollars on the line at some point for some of these games. That's gonna be that's gonna be intense. Uh, there were a couple of the progressive pot uh, records that I wanted to touch on because I found them interesting. The the matchup high score. So. When two teams are going together, you know, the points are combined and they would split a monster payout. Now, I wonder what would happen if two people are playing and they are within points of each other for the win, but they're also within points of this record. Are, is anybody going to be able to root for the other team to put up some points to get that record? Or are they going to say, well, I don't want to want that record right now? I don't even know. I've never really thought about that one that much. It hasn't come up too much. It got it got set. Let's see. Our current record for matchup high score was set in 2013, so that was our second year. Um, it just hasn't come up that often. So if it does, it does, and I've never thought about it. But if I was in a match and I saw that we were getting those kinds of scores, I mean, so it, I think our current matchup right now is – 786 total points between the two teams so i guess if i was if i was in the uh mid to upper 300s and i looked over and my opponent was even in that ballpark too then i would absolutely be paying attention to that number and yeah i don't know depending on how my season's going i mean especially if you already have plenty of wins you're going to go to the playoffs i'd be like yeah i don't care who scores let's create this record i want to pay out so so uh, do, do you guys ever watch together or are you so spread out that you aren't able to watch together or do you virtually watch together? What's the, uh, what's the conversation like during games? There's pretty much none. We're way too spread out. Um, I've had leagues in the past that well, obviously I've had local leagues, which there was some, you know, folks at my house or whatever. And then, uh, one of my recent leagues, they, they would gather for the chat, uh, on the website and stuff. And, that never interested me that much because I ended up 
running my mouth on the chat too much and I'd miss football. So I ended up kind of just watching football on Sundays and I don't really interact a whole lot. I'll drop into our message board a couple times during the day and say whatever, but I'd say it's pretty quiet, but there's also the, we do have a chat set up on my message board. If some of the guys want to get together and shoot the breeze during the games, they're more than welcome, but I don't think it goes on. So it's been quiet for that regard, but we're not quiet the rest of the time. So. Yeah, I, I would think if some of those major records start to fall or are approaching the point where they could fall, a Monday night chat might might get a little more heated. Absolutely. And I think, again, I think it's the way our message board is set up, which I'm sure you'll get into, but they're so active there that things just get addressed there. So it's a little less live like a chat and it's more message board. But our message board sometimes is so active, especially on game days and stuff a little bit that, it might as well be a chat. It just keeps going, and there's you know eight people on there running their face about something or other. So, so one more one more payout in the progressive pot payouts. The player high scores. There was a recent change in that. Yeah, um, the player high scores. We're looking for the. There's two of them. I mean, we have we have we have payouts for players scoring for the. For the regular season, we also so we have we have all we track all this stuff. We have you know most points scored by a quarterback in one week. We have that you know all the way through all ten positions have that, and then we have the same thing for the season. The regular season in our league is uh, weeks one through twelve, and we track all that too. Um, I'm not sure which change are you referring to. Maybe uh, I'm just spacing. It looked it. like it looked like it changed from. Previously, the player had to be active, oh, or, yeah. and now now you're including all. Yeah, we ended up including all. We it was originally it was so if I started JJ Watt for instance every week and he scored whatever, and the the person who owned JJ Watt in the other conference maybe sat him one week for some crazy reason. At the end, I got more points from JJ Watt than he did, and therefore I won it all by myself. I like that personally because I like the part where you made a mistake and I'm getting rewarded for it. Um, but there was a lot of running around about it, and in the end we changed it because, you know, there was not only all the variables that come from injury reporting, there's the mess of what happens if a guy gets traded from one team to another within our league and how do you account for that? And then people, you know, were saying, well, you know, if – if I have a player who's on the verge of this record, his value, I trade him to somebody else. And how should that uh, should that apply or not? And it just at some point it was so sticky. We were like, let's just do away with it. You know what I mean? So it just is what it, whatever the player scores, and that's whoever's holding him at the end of the season. That's who gets it. So it does still come into account because if I have JJ Watt and he's on pace for those records. If somebody's going to talk trade with me, I'm going to I'm going to flat out tell them like, dude, there might be a seventy dollar payout at the end of the year that's coming with this guy. So your your offer better be in accordance with that, you know. Yeah. So get a little extra value if you're if you're going that far with a player. So sure. uh, you you rarely have ties in your league because, like you said, you prefer decimal scoring, which I think that's the way everybody should go from here on. I, full point scoring just makes it doesn't make sense anymore. There's no reason. Math isn't that hard to add some decimals together. So uh, if you do end up with a tie, though, how do your tiebreakers work for a game? 
There, there. What's the final tiebreaker? Oh, the roll of the dice. Yeah. So there's there's uh, websites out there that do like a virtual dice roll, and we use those. We used it for something else back in the day, and then we punted it. But uh, what we do is if somehow, I mean, I don't even know how it's physically possible somebody can be tied to this level. But no, um, I can't imagine. If we get to it, no. If we get to it though, there's this site, and you can go on it, and you can. Uh, put in pretty much, I think, everybody's email so that everybody gets the results. So no, there's no way for me to cheat it or do anything like that. And basically, you would uh, roll the dice for one team and you'd roll the dice for the other team and whatever that site spits out, that's what it would decide it. But uh, honestly, that's kind of a joke. And if it ever probably gets to that, I'm probably going to have a mutiny on my hands and people are going to be like, hey, <laughs> we need another tiebreaker. But everybody looks at it and just goes, there's no way it's ever getting to this, so who cares? Yeah. Yeah, I looked at it and it, I just found it entertaining because I am a gambler as well. And and it, the fact that you put it in there just that it could come down to a dice roll just kind of made me laugh. It never will. There, there's <laughs> right. just no way. The other the other tiebreakers are way too strong. But the, the fact that it was in your bylaws just I found it a little funny. So I think this is a good stopping point for part one. Uh, we have a lot more to cover. So this is going to be more than just a one part episode. I, I will release them shortly uh within a short time span so for now we're going to go ahead and call it a night on the first part we will be back very shortly with part two of roster wars there is so much more to get into so thank you very much uh thanks andy for joining me on this episode i look forward to the next episode thank you all for tuning in to fantasy insanity and come back uh, within the next couple of days and the next part should be posted thank you very much Oh, I should I should mention I am uh, at Empire FFL. Feel free to interact with me at that handle, and Andy is at My Fantasy Graphics. So feel free to hit him up on that. We'll get way more into that in the next part as to why that is his Twitter handle. So thank you very much.